Welcome again to another episode of the Southwest Climate Podcast, the March edition. Don Mike Crimmins. Hey, Zach. How you doing? I'm good. Take three? Take four, baby. <laughs> okay. Let's do um, Let's take the first one, right? I thought the first one was fine. How you been? I'm good. It's been I'm a really, month and a half. It's been a month and a half. So our last episode, I believe, was uh, right, right at the be- end of January. Right before you went on your, your ski adventure. That's right. To the wrong place. Yeah, we can talk about that. Yeah. Uh, it was the right place in any other winter and the wrong place in this winter. <laughs> exactly. So that means it was it was. I'm going to keep working in my best winter since last winter. <laughs> I'm going to say that as many times but as we I have, can during this podcast. We have a lot to unpack. It's we been do. six weeks. Most notably, February was pretty raucous. It was. One of the wettest yep. and wooliest Februarys in recent memory. Yep. So uh, Groundhog did see a shadow. The, Did the ground? Uh, yeah, we worked that in too. Yeah. Rodent meteorology. <laughs> I'm totally into how, it. How does that compare to climatology? Uh, to, to climatology. So if the Pakistani Phil sees a shadow, spring it around the corner. Oh. Wrong. Totally wrong in the east so far. Well, let's hope. I'm, I'm kind of hoping it's it's right in the west. Yeah. I don't know. You're done? You're done with winter? You've had enough? Well, the other thing that we want to talk about, and the reason I may be done with winter is because it was also a fairly cold, cold February. Yeah. Actually cold January, February. Uh, so we'll, we'll unpack that. So let's talk a little bit about recent conditions, touching upon precipitation, temperature. Let's, let's unpack that a little bit. And uh, snowpack, of course. And uh, then we'll move move along and, and, and think about uh, future conditions. So kind of our normal script, Mike. What do you think? Uh, it sounds good to me. It's got all those key variables in there. All right. There's two big stories in my mind. One of them is that so far this winter has been the complete juxtaposition to last winter. I'd mm-hmm. call this winter from a macro perspective across the West, including uh, Arizona. It's been a really good wet. And by good, I mean, I'm largely talking about uh, rain and, and, and snow, whereas last winter uh, was the opposite. So that's one big story. Yeah, I agree. And then the other story is February. For Arizona, February comes in as the fifth wettest on record averaged across the entire state. And then if we want to hone in to our neck of the woods here in Tucson, Tucson was the fourth wettest uh, since 1950. So what the heck happened uh, in, in February? When you start looking at some of the precip maps across the entire West, what is striking to me is from the southern border to the northern border, we ended up having above average precipitation. But we'll have some of the years where the jet stream will get stuck and we start to get these extremes stack up. And, and often when El Nino runs its normal teleconnection, you know, the Southwest is getting wet while the Northwest, the far Northwest is actually going dry and vice versa. But it's only if you go to the far extreme Pacific Northwest where, and again, they, what, they get hundreds of inches of year. You miss a couple inches, you start, you start getting below average. I just, I'm not that impressed. I don't know about the climatology up there or, or, or <laughs> exactly. the impacts too much, but does I get five it. inch it's important, precipitation you know. deficit right. matter when you're getting- right. Yeah. Hopefully nobody up there is listening to this. Yeah. So when we start ragging on that, but I, again, that, that point of, you know, from the Northern Rockies and looking at sort of February values in particular is that, you know, we're going from North to South and East to West primarily to the, just about the Rockies. And then on the continental divide, as you go towards the East side of the continental divide, it does dry out a little bit in Wyoming and New Mexico just has not been sharing in all the love for the Southwest winter. But this, it's just been above average with some record wet conditions, you know, in parts of Oregon, Nevada, and then even parts of Arizona have seen um, record wet conditions for February as well. So 
So you know, this is for February, right? Yeah. So when you when you look at the West, there are just three pockets of below average. Yeah, and they're not record. There's some like real small areas of record driest, and they might even be sort of data issues. But even in those locations, it's just hanging out below average, just a bit below, but not any widespread areas of missing out on winter precipitation. Right, and so if we had this map last winter, it would almost be the opposite. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it was ugly. I don't even want to bring it up. Okay. I don't want that in my, I don't want to see it <laughs> right we, now. We have to put, you know, this is what we do. We put these conditions in, in the long-term context. Right, I don't, I don't have the, I don't, I don't have the emotional capacity to revisit years like last year. Okay, so one of those pockets is is New Mexico. Right. Most of New Mexico, actually. And looking at just fe- uh, February, much of New Mexico, with the exception of the Four Corners area, has been has seen you know fifty percent or less precipitation for February. And the other pocket has been up in in Wyoming for the most part, in the on the drier side of 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 the Tetons and and, and the Rockies, and then as you mentioned, the, the Pacific Northwest, and then obviously as you mentioned, everywhere in between is is greater than you know basically 150 percent of average. Yeah. I mean that is that's amazing. February right. was incredible, right? And it wasn't just uh, as you were pointing this out; it wasn't just here in the West. I mean, February. Was it February that came in as the wettest? It's uh, actually December, January, February. The winter as a whole, the meteorological winter, is the wettest on record for the entire the US. United States. Yeah, yeah, and um, you're seeing drought monitor um, reflecting a very low percentage of the the country being covered by conditions of drought that are consistent with that record wet conditions. What was the sort of large scale pattern that produced this? Yeah, so across the West, it, it, we've had this discussion since December, and we'll talk about our predictions and how they came up with Tucson rainfall. I'm reluctant to even bring that up, but we'll have to talk about that, I suppose. Well, at some point, February, February torpedoed problem. both of us. Yeah. <laughs> February became a problem, but I, I, I mean, I sitting in December, what did we have to work with when we were looking at the rest of the winter? We had El Nino, sort in of name only, you know, where it was sort of hanging out in the background, right? Mm-hmm. And that was about it. We didn't really have anything else to work with. We had climatology to go on. <laughs> we had climatology to go on, and we and I sort of hugged climatology. And yeah, I, and I got I got it was a little bullish on that, expecting this to be a little more fun than last year, and it turned out it was great. It's been a great winter. Uh, the jet stream pattern has been extremely active. We've had. A lot of different moving parts across the northern hemisphere and then across the equatorial Pacific. Things like hemispheric changes in the jet stream across the Pacific Ocean, things like the Madden-Julian Oscillation, some other sort of higher frequency waves uh, scooting across the, the Pacific. Tons of moisture across the Pacific Ocean from the Dateline uh, stretching towards the west. So there's just great precipitable water uh, is that metric of moisture just hanging out at our beck and call in the East Pacific. And so as as the jet stream was active and it extended across the Pacific Ocean, the subtropical jet especially, strengthening and kind of weakening and strengthening and weakening, those troughs of low pressure. Did it split? Kind of, was it a split? It was a split. So we had- So well, that's we had, a classic El Nino. Yeah, it did. It did. It had, it had these, it looked like El Nino from time to time in that that kind of classic jet stream. And we, we did end up having some split, but we also we had also had the mid-latitude jet sync up 
and drop down and give us that access to cold air. And that, that was kind of interesting about February is that in Arizona in particular, and New Mexico did miss out on a lot of this, is that we ended up having really good cold events and then also these really warm, wet events that were tapping into record amounts of precipitable water that then were driving these you know, crazy precip rates just by orographic lifting. You know, the onshore flow streaming into uh, California, getting thrown up the mountains and then raining out and snowing out there. But we had the same thing in the Mogan Rim down here in Arizona. And then we ended up having a, a more inland system with a lot of cold air and not a lot of moisture, but ended up being that really efficient snow producer on uh, February 22nd, where we ended up getting, I think, two inches officially at the airport down here in Tucson. Right. Because if, if my memory serves me correctly, it, it there was sort of a, a mix between these storms that were tapping subtropical moisture and, and storms that, that weren't. It wasn't the same thing over and over again. And that it's like even since late December, we've had just all sorts of different kinds of storms come through here. And the jet stream pattern being able to deliver, you know, rain and snow to the northern Rockies to the southern Rockies is just fantastic. I mean, as far as a western winter, this is the way you want to do it. Well, yeah, what was surprising to me and going back to the beginning of of February when I was deciding when you were helping me decide where we should go <laughs> skiing and Where did I tell you to go? Yeah, for the record, because I didn't have to spend a dime on this trip. Right, I so thought you should just helicopter a, into Tahoe. Yeah, this was a really yeah. fun exercise. So we had a week to pull the trigger on on where to go skiing across the West. And we had a, a week lead, lead time. And the models were bouncing all around between. It looked like it was going to be good. You know, we had out, out of out of January, there was a, a ridge at the end of uh, end of January, but it looked like it was going to break down. And so it was like, well, is it, is it farther, farther North and like the Northern Rockies and, and, and Montana, or is it the Sierras? And, and to your credit, you're like, you should go to the Sierras and man, the Sierras I got to lose at that point. Yeah, the Sierras it, this got is it. This pummeled. Is, the models kept trying to push that ridge in and it's, it's, we've been so abused by ridging. <laughs> basically over the last couple of winters. Flogged the, by the ridge? Flo- yeah, exactly. The ridge would build in. And so when you'd see it on the models, you'd be like, the ridge is going to win. Oh, it's here. Like, it's, it's here totally, again. totally here. The ridge hasn't been able to win at all. And it's been really shallow when we've gotten any ridging so far um, this winter in the West. It's been beat down by a trough coming in from the West. But what was incredibly impressive about that storm around February 2nd, February 3rd, was that not only did it dump copious amounts of snow in in the Sierras, it also came south. Yeah, yeah. Hit Tucson, and the same event also extended all the way up to where we were yeah. in in Montana. So th- almost the entire West was covered by that one event. I hadn't. I mean, that seemed pretty striking to me. Pretty awesome, man. Yeah, and if you look across the last thirty days, uh, especially, we've had a couple of events where you've ended up having precip from Arizona all the way up into Montana, and it's just this big, broad onshore flow, troughiness, you know, the, the, the forcing mechanisms, and then that copious moisture that's been able to tap into in the Pacific. So it just seems like all the, the right ingredients have aligned to, to give the West this great winter. Looking back at, at, at February, there was that early, uh, early February event, February 2nd, February 3rd, uh, February 4th. Then there was uh, Mid February, I'm, I'm I'm thinking about like the major events. Here. Yeah, yeah. There was like the 14th and 15th 
which slam the Sierras and and also here in in the Southwest, actually the entire entire West. And then there was the maybe a more sort of southerly storm on the on the on the twenty second and twenty third. That's the mm-hmm. one that brought us yeah. brought us snow. Those first two were tapping more of the subtropical. Would you say? Or, yeah, absolutely. And the latter was what was what was the character of the of the of the storm that brought us snow? Most of the storm systems that have come through the West. Um, for February have been drawing on deeper subtropical moisture out of the East Pacific. And it has had to do with a real broad trough of low pressure kind of off the, the West Coast that's sort of parked up. It wasn't until the later part of the month that um, there was some ridging that came into the East Pacific and the trough uh, set up more inland. And at that point, it's shut off from that subtropical moisture. And so then it's that moisture ends up either coming with the storm as it becomes dropping out of the Pacific Northwest or the Gulf Alaska Pacific Northwest. And then sometimes it can tap into a little bit of moisture hanging out to the south. And that's that's basically what we had on the the kind of the 21st, 22nd uh, storm that came in here was that the storm system was able to be cold enough because it had that inland trajectory. It wasn't, it wasn't c- crashing in from warm water off the Pacific. And there was a just a little bit of moisture just to the south. So it was that kind of perfect timing. And then I, it was interesting. I was actually in New Mexico for that storm when it was raining and snowing here in uh, Tucson. And it just kicked up dust over there <laughs> because – and it was just the, the yeah, approach it. of it and the then tr- the, the tap of that moisture – it fell apart as, as the storm progressed east. It just got shut off, and then it was done. It didn't do anything. What was really interesting about that storm was that the temperatures like crashed around like seven a.m. Yeah, I mean it yeah. was warmer. It was like four, in the low forties until seven a.m. And then they they uh, incursion of a really cold air came in, and and then and then the snow started. Big flakes, like moist snow, obviously. Yeah, yeah. At my house, there was no accumulation, but I think you just had to go up four or 500 feet. And then uh, and, and I know parts of Gates Pass were, were covered in a little bit of snow. There was flakes falling for like five or six hours. I remember I, I, I had to live vicariously through my home webcam. That's what I was sadly doing was refreshing it, watching the snowflakes fall. And I, it was that same thing of – Wait a second. You didn't have anything better to do? <laughs> well, I was on vacation with my family. It's kind of sad that I was so preoccupied with checking the weather back home where you know we were um, you know, supposed to be out enjoying the outdoors. Okay, so it, it hadn't started snowing at 7 a.m. And usually in Arizona – in fe- you know in February that you're you're done right you're you're usually going the temps usually going to climb and that was what was so surprising about it and it was it was modeled you mean really during well. the day yeah I mean the sun had come yeah. up and you'd expect that the temps are going to start to come back up but right. that system and it was well modeled by the U of A Worf model Mike Luthold had written a, a blog entry on that about expecting that switchover to happen in the morning and boom it was like 7 a.m. it just starts snowing and you're like hey, it's not going to last more than an hour. It was like two in the afternoon. It was it was still snowing, right? Yeah. I mean, it was just tailing off there at that point. And so it seemed like there was some there could have been some dynamical cooling, you know, evaporative um, or evaporative cooling going on at that point with the dry air sort of moving in and, and the system working its way through. It could have been invection. I think that was it was well specified in the model. I'm not exactly sure what was going on dynamically there, but really impressive event, yeah. you know, for for that time of well, year. Well, you said it was sort of moisture starved but uh which might be technically well, I, true I, well but- i think it's I, I should say you know 
we were getting precipitable waters of like an inch and a half earlier in the month. It was all rel- it's <laughs> relatively speaking. Mm-hmm. S- some of the the precipitable water values in the East Pacific, not that far off from where we were in mid February, were like two inches. You know, we're we're talking like monsoon levels that we would see here in town. Not we didn't hit that um, because we don't have the the temps couldn't carry that this time of year. But that that was a lot of moisture. This storm wasn't anywhere close to that. But again, cold storms don't have a lot of moisture typically. And so when they're able to intersect with any, they're going to be usually efficient precip producers. They're going to be able to convert that into to precip. Yeah. And I mean, just to give put some numbers to it, I believe total snowfall on Mount Lemmon, I saw one one report of 30 inches. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Some of the forecasts were like 40 to 50 coming out of that, right? Yeah, yep. And didn't and, and Flagstaff broke its all-time 24-hour snowfall yeah, record. Yeah, Thursday of that event. Thursday, okay. Uh, 35 inches. Yeah, that's um, impressive. And then I think it's over the over two day or a little over two days, it was 40 inches. 40 inches, yeah. Yeah, which uh, doesn't break some of the all-time state records, which are actually quite a bit more. Right. But, but for that event. Right, really for that, good. for a 24-hour total, 35 inches. Yeah. Or, Thereabouts broke broke the record, and 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 Phoenix re- received an inch of rainfall, which yeah. is, I mean, so it was again, it was widespread, and yep. yes, the precipital water wasn't up there, but it was an efficient, uh, yeah, system it, and ringing ringing what was there. Absolutely, yeah, it, it was amazing, you know, from low elevation to high elevation to get the snow. I, it, yeah, it was it was a great event, and and you and I were were chatting, and I had completely forgotten about. The last February snowfall event, which was in 2013, I can't even I can't even remember it. But so Tucson recorded one point. I think what the official total f- for February was 1.9 inches, and we had two inches in 2013. And I can't I, had, I can't place that at all. I remember you, that remember, event. you took a bunch of pictures. Yeah, I right? remember that event. I yeah. remember. And then prior to that, those are the only two February snow events since 1991. So yeah, it had been a long time. Right, it's been almost twenty years. We've see, only seen February snow twice. Right, and I remember fielding a few of us were fielding media inquiries, and I, I was I was looking at a a plot that you made of the snowfall in in, in February, and I. Yeah, I came to the conclusion that it's certainly infrequent, but it's not unprecedented. It's not unprecedented, no. But it's in that historical record. We'll get a trace, you know, every once in a while. But actually, that measurable snowfall. Has since, if we're looking at the international airport record back to 1948, what you can count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times, two right. of them in the last five years. But those are only two since 1991. It's almost 20 years. So twice in 20 years, just in the last five. I think the the real point here is that it's just really infrequent that you have cold, wet storms. Yeah. I mean, yeah. To uh-huh. me, I mean, it snows on Mount Lemmon quite. Absolutely. Yeah. To get it to elevation, it's that it's it's a it's kind of that knife edge and that convergence of it. it the, I think this is that that's a good point. I want to kind of pack that a little bit is we very regularly have cold systems come through Tucson or come through the southwest. Right. And one of those measures would be the thickness of the atmosphere. And one of those you can use that as a forecasting tool to try to assess if you're going to get snowfall or rainfall at the surface on that. So, you know, as I was plotting some of that data in the past, we've got lots of days when it's cold enough for it to snow and storm systems coming through. There's just no moisture, right? It's like you said, it's that convergence of 
having that system come through and having the moisture at the right time and just getting that sort of knife edge of being able to pull that freezing level down to the surface while it's precipitating is why it doesn't happen here very often. Yeah, the precipitation story is is, is a big one. I, I want to just contrast this year a little bit with with last year because I think that plays a little bit about how we how we think about this winter. And That's right, yeah. So far, February at the Tucson airport was two inches, 2.03 to be precise. That one event that we were just talking about was close to an inch. So for the total, and I'm looking at Mike's graphs here, and that started October 1st, but from October 1 through the end of February, seven and a half inches uh, of rain has fallen in at Tucson Airport. Average is around five. Just to contrast that with last year over that same period, basically at this time last year, we had a little bit over two inches. So five inches of, of difference. Now, admittedly, I'm including in October, which is maybe a little bit unfair, but I don't have a figure that it doesn't include October because I, October was real. October was crazy. Yeah. Man, let's not... Let's let's. It's a big hug right now for this year. Like I, I want the grand, I want the grand winter. You know, let's do the October through as much as we can. Okay. Because I, I mean, October was so unprecedented in so many ways too, and it has set up this winter. That to me is where we're going to look at that whole October period through the end of the spring and compare it. And it's you know this is an exceptional this is an exceptional year. Right. And so from October first through the end of May. On average, Tucson receives 26 precipitation events. Yeah. Already, uh, we've received 30. Yeah, 30. And we had 10 last year. We've had three. It's rained three times as much just frequency-wise than it has last year. We're actually on track. We could be on track. I haven't looked at at the data, but we could be on track for record-setting October through May rainfall. We could, yeah. So we're right now our precip rank is it's the 14th. Uh, wettest. Does that of, update or is that? That's so. That's the full rank for the whole. Yeah, and it, okay. it it does. So it's it's taking the the total through here. So we got March precip in there, and you know potentially April. We're getting a little greedy here. I, at least I, that's the way I'm kind of feeling now because Marches haven't been that great, right? In the last couple of years, and neither have Aprils for a long time. So can we keep the run going? Or that, well, that's my question. Are we going to drift back towards our old bad habits of ending, well, ending winter early? We don't have a ton of time left, is what you were just more or less saying. So March and April, it can rain here. Right. It can even snow. It's crazy, right? It'd but I mean, tougher. we're on the at, at this point, we're on the descending limb yeah, in terms of yeah, chances, if right, you will. The, right. the chances of getting rainfall are are diminishing now, and, and, and it's getting warmer. Just historically, the trend is is, is warmer and drier. But uh, I, but again, spring. I think the big picture here is that by all accounts, here locally and across the West, it's been a very wet and woolly winter. <laughs> wet and woolly, yeah. yeah. And so I want to talk about the woolly part because okay. it's also been pretty darn frigid. Yeah. <laughs> frigid. <laughs> is this your air quotes again? Yeah. Like, frigid. frigid. Yeah, okay, I will give you. I'll give totally, you air quotes totally on your frigid. Yeah, from it's, an, it's from a New Englander, like quote unquote frigid for sure. Well, I don't know. I'm like I, I'm like fully acclimatized now. Like I find it like kind of chilly. I don't know. We all probably have different ways of figuring out if it's been cold. Yours probably looks at actual data, but no, mine is mine's coats. 
Yeah, yours is coats. Yeah. Okay, mine coats is like that I haven't worn in years. How often my toes freeze in the morning on bike rides? Oh, right, right. Okay, yeah. and they've yep. been freezing yeah. this year. Yeah, it's been gear. It's been gear that I haven't worn in years has come out and actually been functional. Like I've tried to get out gear in past years and just wear it out of like determination, and you get too hot. My question is: Is that right? Has it been? Has it been cold? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's been cold. Yeah, absolutely. That's it. That's all you got. Sure, got it. Yeah, it's cool. It's frigid. Because I'm doing my air quotes. <laughs> Maybe we can put this in in, Actually, in context. Datify this. Yeah. Okay. So since January first, if you look at the average temperature in Tucson, it's been two inches below two two inches two inches uh, two inches two degrees of Fahrenheit. Yes. <laughs> below average. Yeah. That's been the the average of the average. The anomaly for the maximum, the high temperatures, has been two and a half degrees below average. And the minimums as well. The minimums have been not quite as cold. They yeah, that's just trend. And they've been a degree and a half below average from the beginning of, of January. And that's probably held true for February. Actually it's been colder in February. Cold. So February is the month when we look at DJF, December, January, February, it's gonna drag the whole winter down because it was it it was exceptionally cold. Okay, so ex- exceptionally what do you think the word exceptionally means? In percentiles? Yeah. <laughs> I think I may have over, overspoke. Well, I don't know. We, we don't need to do the percent. <laughs> well, I think that, I think that when, we start, when we start looking at the data, there's there's an interesting, when we start looking at the, the, the gridded data of temperature across the West, there's this very strange pattern to it where it's in, New Mexico has been near normal for February and even slightly above in the far southeast part of the state and there's a gradient across the west and as you go to arizona we're below normal in the bottom third of all february temps and then the west half of the state is actually the bottom 10 percent and this is in the long-term record so going back to late 1800s to present so it's not record coldest so like in the 10 coldest februaries 10 percent yeah so the yeah, the right. ten. It's, yeah, it's been one of the. If 10 it was hundred years, it would have yeah. been ten. Yeah, if it was a hundred years of record, then it would have been the, one of the ten coldest. So, yeah, that I mean that stands out. I mean, so just the last thirty days. So maybe not all of February, but for Tucson, it's been the average temperature has been close to five degrees below average. So that's. Yeah. I mean, that, that, I mean that's noticeable, right? Yeah, that's toe freezing. That's uncomfortable, Zach. Right there, it's I was I was chilly. Um, yeah, no, I've I've been out too, and it's 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 striking. And we've had fourteen days of below freezing temperatures uh, at the Tucson airport, and our average is sixteen. See, that was striking that to me when I saw that. Sixteen. Yeah. It, I may have calculated this on wrong. average. I may have calculated wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's correct. I don't doubt it. It's just. I wouldn't have thought that there would have been that many days below freezing. I think it's to your point. Maybe we're going to talk about this a little bit more. But the last five Februarys have been so exceptionally warm and dry that we have almost completely adapted to that. I think that's another part of the story. So looking at December, January, and February, the average of those three months uh, since 1950, and this year we're a couple degrees below average, but but the five years preceding that was at least a couple degrees above average. Yeah, yeah. Psychologically, people likely get re- they recalibrate their what they think is normal. Mm-hmm. And in comparison, this year to those five years, I mean, it's even that 
temperature difference is even much greater. Right. Yeah, in it, fact, you were pointing this out in a in a recent a really cool paper that actually looked at people's perceptions of of what they thought was unusual weather, and it it turns out that basically people recalibrate their what what they think their normal conditions are after just like five, five two years. to eight years. Yeah, exactly. I think it was like five years. I think in that I think it's it really is. I think a little bit of evidence of that. I, I mean, February. You know, you get kind of queued up to Super Bowls at the beginning of the month. And then there's like here in, in Tucson, we've got the school break towards the middle of the month. You know, there's there's all these like things that you start to like, OK, this is what happens this week. And so for the last couple of years, it's been like shorts and it hasn't rained at all. And so it's, things are blooming in the backyard and spring has come. And so it, I had um, I had switched over this February comes along and it's it's again, it's it's colder than average it really does stand out and it's been very wet. So it, it was almost like, wait, does it do this here? Is it really this cold? And then you go back in the records like, oh yeah, this is totally possible. Well, yeah, that, quite, a, quite a bit more normal than what you've actually been experiencing. Well, that's the thing. I mean, it's just the last five years stick out. Yeah. But then if you just take those- uh, Those last those, five years out? Yeah, and then wait. you're like, oh. And then it's like, this year this is, is actually not that no, different. No, not at right. In fact, if you right. go back- Earlier, let's say 30 years, you know, to the 60s through the 80s, and the temperature difference is much greater yeah. than, or the anomaly or the, right. is much greater than it right. is. Could you handle that? Th- what, this Could over you and over living in, living in Tucson in the 60s and 70s? If you think now is cold. Oh, I know. <laughs> cold. Uh, yeah. Quotes, okay, cold. frigid. Yeah, I think <laughs> Tucson was frigid at one point. It was in the 60s. That was a, oh, that was that was the the decade of the crazy snowstorms in Arizona, very cold temperatures, and then we've got this climate change trend on top of it that is sort of climbing out. So, the real question is, what will next February be like? Mm. We should do a bet. <laughs> <laughs> That's too far. Let's uh, not forget to revisit. We no, forgot no, to revisit it, our, it, our bet in the precipitation so, segment. I actually bought gear this winter to do stuff outside that will come in super handy if February does this again. But I don't know, man. It's probably this is the anomaly and the last five are are, uh, are we shifting more towards that. That's really sad. Yeah. If, well, if people are interested, that paper that I was referring to is in the Proceedings of National Academy of Sciences. Which everybody gets. I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that, that's, people get that delivered to their you houses. You know that stack of coupons that you get with all the. Comes the, in with yes, like. It's the National Geographic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the AAAS. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, but the, I just want to have a fine point on that. The point that they were trying to make in the paper was that people might not actually experience or, or, or perceive climate change because there's yeah. this slow creep in, in, in changing temperatures, right? It's getting. You know, I think the trend is anywhere between a tenth of a degree per 10 years up to, depending on where you are, maybe a half a degree per 10 years. I mean, that's slow. And if people are resetting what they think is normal every like two to eight years, yeah, it's really hard to detect that kind of a Absolutely. change. And, and it works in reverse for us for here. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and it's it's the, when we swing, it's actually interesting even outside of the climate change discussion, but the decadal variability of us sort of shifting towards dealing with drought really getting tuned up on that. We also have a wet side of the Arizona equation, which is the flooding right. and that kind of stuff. So, you know, there's there's some evidence, I don't know if it's quantified, but I certainly had this in discussions of moving in this direction, getting all tuned up on drought, forgetting about the wet side and how to deal with the wet side. And then you spend a whole decade as you're getting wetter, 
dealing with the the flood side, and then you forget about the drought side right. again. <laughs> so, so I figure as Arizona, the decadal variability of droughts and, and longer term pluvials is expected to continue here. You know, drying and sort of shrinking of that winter season, but I think on average there will be wetter periods in the future. That'll be the dicey part is coming out of those because we'll have completely forgotten about the drought side, which we've gotten tuned up on here as it's getting warmer on top of all that. So a lot of challenges in keeping this sort of climate perspective going, which is what we're here for, right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. No, I think that's a good point. I mean, particularly in the context of perceptions being shaped by recent memory and the the psychology of that, I think the the role that that you play, Mike, uh, is a good one. And it's like, it's like, let's not forget about the longer term record. And yeah, let's, yeah. let's, let's put this cold spell within its proper context, right. cold spell, qu- air quotes, um, <laughs> you know, because it's not all that un- unprecedented. Uh, it's, it is in the last six years, but that's yeah. a pretty short memory. It's a pretty short memory. Yeah. We, we've actually had a handful of above average days in the same month that we had six freezing events and snow at the airport. And those swings are not unrelated to the uh, precipitation. Yeah, it's the weather pattern across the West. It's been it's been up and down. It has we have not parked in anything exceptional. You know, it's like not new weather that we've never experienced. All before. right, let's jump back really quickly before going to snowpack. And that is since we already talked about precipitation, we should just update everybody on where we stand with our January, February, March bets. I know you're rolling your eyes. Well, February coming in at a little bit over two inches, obviously was so much higher than both your and my estimates. Climatology really let us down Yeah, there. climatology for, for February was, for Tucson was 0.86 inches. Mike, you you were close to climatology at, at an inch. <laughs> I was actually closer to climatology at three quarters of an inch. And, you know, of course, you know, two inches comes in. So that's more than, you know, 200% of average. You look at our totals, Mike, you had 2.8 inches for the three months, January, February, March. And I had two point nine, and, and right now we're at three point one two. So I, I it's our I yeah, it's 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 totally blown. Ben was was trying to I think throw me a bone and seeing if I if we could win by month, and I, I appreciated that, but I don't I don't think there's any way. It's hard to feel good about this victory though because I we were both so wrong with February. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, and it's so wrong in such a good way, right? <laughs> okay. I mean, that's awesome. Two inches, <laughs> yeah, precip. That, yeah, that's. But I'm looking at my March fourth and fifth on yeah. record. All right, so you you estimated, uh, yeah, point three inches, and and I, I was bullish at point nine. You're bullish at point nine. Yeah. If I if I nail point three for March, I'm going to get a consolation prize. Let's talk very quickly. We've sort of already preluded this with the talk of of precipitation, but I think it's worthwhile to highlight uh, snowpack across the West. It's been a very very rosy picture for 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 much of the West. That obviously mirrors the precipitation pattern that you were first describing. The only high country areas that are showing signs of below average snow snowpack happens to be in Arizona, New Mexico, and the the Pacific Northwest, far uh, northern uh, areas in in Washington, really, uh, and maybe a little bit in, in Idaho and in, in, in Montana. Everything else is above average, some, you know, greater than 200% of average, particularly in the Sierras, which we talked about, 
my feeling on this is if you were to average across the entire West, the snowpack across the entire West, that this would be a top 10, maybe a top five winter. Absolutely. Yes. That's it. Huh? Did you want me to push back on that? I or? did. I nah, thought I was going to say I, something controversial. Nah, You're going to be I'm like, oh, I, I was looking at the data and- uh, It just looks good. <laughs> it looks yeah. good everywhere. I Okay. Arizona's not that bad. You're kind of uh, dishing on Arizona. Well, what about snowpack. the- what Our about snowpack's the, never that good. Yeah, our snowpack is not that good. It, the, there, I mean, our highest elevation peaks are doing fine right It's now really the White Mountains, though. Yeah, I, I know. But it's actually March, and so it's it's late in the season, and I think we're, we're they're nibbling around the edges. So I was looking show. in Baldy at the Snowtel site in, at Baldy, which is um, which is in the White Mountains. Yep. Its snow water equivalent is above. Yeah. Above it's above the, median. Above the median. Yeah, and the precip is quite a bit above median for this time of year. Uh, it's at about 15 inches of total precip, and the median would be 12. So it's a couple inches above. I'm not feeling that bad about it. Talk to some folks. Salt River Project is very pleased. There's water. There's going to be water running in the Verde in salts and all over the place. We actually have We've had a consistent flow in the Rito for, for a couple of weeks now. So you don't see that every year. You can't call this year good in Arizona. What do you want? I agree. I mean, I was trying to not paint a completely rosy picture, but it's kind of <laughs> hard it for you. It's kind of hard not yeah. to. No, but to your point about the Salt River Basin, looking at the basin average at the end of February, the, the snow water equivalent is 220% of average. Yeah. Last year, it was... 87% of average. Yeah. So again, that juxtaposes the, the, yeah. the difference. Serious whiplash from and then, this year to last. And then, you know, when you look at the water year uh, in the Salt River Basin, it's close to 120% of average, whereas last year it was around 30% of average. So again, just such a, a contrast. And, you know, I can go down to all of the river basins, the Verde River Basin, the San Francisco Peaks, the Little Colorado. That is the same pattern. I yeah. mean, the numbers change a little bit, but- Hugely above average right now and much greater than it was last, last Hugely. Year. Hugely. Yeah, Bigly. I'm with you. Hugely. I, I'm so with you on <laughs> is that, that. Is that not a word? I'm not sure, but I'm, I'm going to use it. I think the watersheds in the Colorado River are looking pretty good. Some are looking really, really good. Northern New Mexico, it's pretty close to average for this mm. time of year. All right. So again, New Mexico hasn't hasn't seen quite the same winter that we've seen over here. So I, I don't want to, I don't want to forget right. um, that that's, that that's been the case. We'll take it, I think. And yeah. I think it bodes well for drought moderation and uh, at least in the upcoming fire season, if the snowpack can stay on the landscape a little bit longer, it, 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 it'll certainly shorten the season a little bit. Well, it's may actually add to risk. <clears throat> Lower elevations are, are going to definitely be flush. In future years, as the precip helps build up, you know, fuels and, and whatnot. But at least next year, maybe, maybe it, it, it um, gives us a little indication that fire season will be less risky. So it's there's been a couple of discussions on some online listservs that I'm on, uh, Drought Monitor in particular. There's so much cautious optimism with what's going on because it's March. And we have seen years in the past where it just stops, the the accumulations just stop, and it gets warm. And right. You it's, get these, the, it's that increasing, yeah, March, rapidly increasing temperatures. March and be snow key. eaters um, can definitely happen. So 
kind of hanging out here. Like if this was the end of April and we had done this all and it was like, okay, we're all like pack it in, you know, winter's over. Let's get on with this and go on to spring and that kind of stuff. Actually, the CPC forecast is leaning a little bit above average. That's probably trend, but it's not as solid as we've seen it in past. So get through March. We well, this get into is April. I, I'm I'm gonna feel a little better. Is there any patterns with an El Nino and rapidly warming or uh, warmer springs? Nah, probably nothing that's all that significant. If you look at some of the correlation patterns in springtime weather patterns and El Ninos, and usually when they're a little more solid and warmer than that, stuff can stay unsettled. You can end up having these systems sort of um, drag in here. and But that would sort of argue for more cooler conditions and Uh, wetter conditions. Yeah, maybe wetter. Yeah, Yeah. maybe a little bit wetter. I think if it was a La Nina, then we would have we would have called it, right? It would called it would have, what? We would have been like, okay, it's summer it's, already. Yeah, heck yeah. I mean, Mar- <laughs> if like if it was a La Nina and it was March, I we'd be I'd be talking about the monsoon today. Like I seriously, I'd be like, well, I don't know. I'm gonna go out and polish my rain gauge and uh, see, you know, wait for June, you know, fifteenth to show up. So I don't know. I still think there's some interesting stuff potentially could waft in here in the next couple of months. Maybe it won't totally crash. And burn. I, honestly, it's like we have no idea. But I think the fact that it's not a La Nina maybe lends some hope. And the CPC forecasts are actually, they're kind of shruggy right now, even a little bit wet at some of the different timescales. All right. So the bet then is over under. Ooh. Top eight precip Wait, October what? through the end of May. Oh, so we got it. So we're at so, 14 right now for Tucson. Okay. Over under, like, will we be, uh, will be, will, will we be above the eighth wettest or somewhere between the eighth and the 14th wettest? I have I'm no take, idea. I'm what, taking the under. I, I don't, I'm still, I'm so pessimistic. <laughs> well, the three month forecast from CPC is actually slightly optimistic about increased chances that uh, rainfall will be in the upper tercile of the, Climatological record. I love it when you talk that way. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm going to go the over because I was bullish and I'm sticking with the bullish yeah. on, on on March precipitation. I think I'm going to get burned on this one, but I'm, I'm going with the under. Okay. So you're going to say we're going to be in the top eight wettest October through May 31st for mm-hmm. Tucson. For Tucson. I'm going to say we're going to, we're going to. You're somewhere between the 14th and 8th. and 14th. You know, in real time, we do have some numbers. So to become a top eight winter rain season there needs to be at the tucson airport get this 1.78 inches of rain that's not going to happen boom so it's happened so 1.78 inches needs to fall from now until the end of may for for me to win that bet in 1978 we did it we got to 9.33 inches and then it, it goes on up from there so the wettest october 1st through may 31st at tucson was Almost 11 inches in 1993. Yeah, but the question is, is how many more inches fell from this point to the end of May? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Let's so figure that out. I could we'll actually, figure that out offline. Yeah, or can you do that? I could do it right now. There has been 12 years in the... When does this record go back? So this would be out of what? Uh, 60, 60 something? 72 years. 72 years. So 12 out of 72 has actually seen more than 1.78 inches in the period from now until the end of May. 12, 12 years out of 72. Jeez. Oh man, I do not like those odds, but 
<laughs> it's, it's not zero. It's not zero. So the last time that happened was in 2004, which is kind of interesting. We had two inches between the beginning of March and the end of end of May. Yep. And that's... 2004, baby. That's my mantra. <laughs> Bring on 2004. Let's, uh, let's quickly talk about El Nino because it is, by some measures, finally here. And that kind of pains me to say a little bit because in terms of sea surface temperatures, we've definitely passed peak sea surface temperatures. But the reason why uh, NOAA has said it's finally here, and they, they said that in, in mid February is because the atmosphere finally sort of became in lockstep with the sea surface temperature. So it was behaving both from a sea perspective and an atmosphere perspective like an El Nino. Yeah. Yeah. That's it, huh? <laughs> yeah. So over El Nino. Yeah. El Nino skates in at the end. Everybody's going to give it all credit for being a wet winter. I, I'm just not, I don't, I don't know. I'm but not. there was no, the long arms of El Nino did not have its hands in any of the uh, February or, or, or January storms that we've talked about. Not really. You know, okay, so I, I, what, can we give, what can we give El Nino credit for? There we winter? go. Because you did mention news coverage. You did yeah. mention though that there had been split a jet stream, which yeah, yeah. I, so El Nino's presence in the Pacific Ocean has been not that great. I mean, and that was the whole atmospheric coupling was that did we see any real big shifts in atmospheric moisture, and primarily was it in the precipitation pattern across the Pacific? It was there was above average precipitation, kind of hugging the dateline more towards the west of the dateline. And we had the warm water that was much further east than that, but you weren't seeing the weather sort of follow that. And we ended up having a lot of pretty strong Madden-Julian oscillations move across the globe a couple of times, which really did seem to be the mechanism that was pushing the changes in the jet stream pattern. And then all this moisture well, in the East Pacific and, sort of aligning with it. And that's kind of interesting because the – presence and frequency of those MJOs, Madden-Julian oscillations, are actually, they happen more when there isn't an El Nino. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You need you need some easterly wind to actually um, propagate into to have it move around. So you, it's, you can't have both kind of. Right. I mean, so there was there were times when the discussions were talking about the Madden-Julian oscillation constructively and destructively interfering with the base state of El Nino. And it wasn't until we got into sort of late February that you started to see this mass of disturbed weather and clouds and um, what we call outgoing low, long radiation being below average hang out at the kind of the dateline and slightly to the east. It seemed to be the evidence that there was coupling at that point. And it, it could have been actually kickstarted by earlier MJO activity and then this sort of these two things constructively interfering with each other. So all kind of comes together at the end of February. You have a three-month average for sea surface temperatures. And for it to be an El Nino, five consecutive three-month averages have to be over 0.5 degrees Fahrenheit or Celsius? Celsius. Celsius. Um, in a particular region in the tropical Pacific Ocean. Wow. Great. That's how uh, – hey, that's hey, science. You didn't make it. You right. didn't make the definition. Right. Uh, but if anybody's making decisions in October – about seasonal totals, and they saw that forecast, the forecast would have been right. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Well, I, so... I mean, do you have I, to be... Do you have to, like... To get it right for the right reason? Yeah. I guess. Eh, yeah. 
I'm a climatologist. That's not what we do. I think we were communicating this, the expectation that it was going to be a weak event, so our confidence wasn't great. And CPC really, I don't think, oversold this either. I think that the the forecasts were hedging a lot and we're kind of leaning. It's just, I think we all get frustrated when we get to the end of the season and it gets, it gets, it goes in the wind column and you're just like, uh, well, I guess. It makes you think about the statistical yeah, uh, that's associations right. that are, that are produced from, from, from these El Nino's. Yeah, right right? It's like, well, does that really count? Right. Moving forward, there is still some evidence that El Nino will reform next winter. Double dip, really? Double dip. Interesting. But okay. what what is actually interesting is that it, those odds or the confidence in that is, is decreasing, at least yeah. decreased in- slightly from last month. It was a little bit bullish. I think like El Nino had like a 50% chance of, of being present in the, in the, in the winter of, of 2019-2020. And it dipped a little bit this month. There's uh, some evidence that there's you know, warm, temp- warm subsurface temperatures in the tropical Pacific Ocean, which may, when they surface, will bump up the El Nino. And, and so it might persist via that. But I did find it interesting that they've sort of, de- they're decreasing their, their confidence a little bit in, 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 a, in a double dip. I feel like a lot of hedging just happens this time of year anyways. Since there wasn't a real efficient movement of a lot of the warm water from the West Pacific to the East Pacific, you know, in that whole what do they call it, the, the delayed oscillator idea, where you're you're charging up the battery and you pulse it out. This one has been kind of a slow leak. I think it leaves a lot of potential for that stuff to kind of come out. We're getting into that m- month where it's really difficult to project El Nino, as you mentioned before, the spring predictable spring predictability barrier. So we'll just leave that to the next month. And we'll <laughs> talk about it. In Fair a, enough. In a month. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And uh, yeah, we'll come back in, a, in another month and, and waste more of your time. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, everybody. So we're calling it the best winter since last winter edition It's the, the best. podcast. <laughs> we workshopped that a little <laughs> the, bit. The best. Yeah, that went over well. The best winter <laughs> since last winter. I don't know what those numbers are. Maybe, maybe Ben can quickly pull that up. Maybe not. <laughs> I just got the stink guy.